How are you? Well, hey, good to have you uh, on your show today. Yeah, I, I actually could, for, for to you, it's good to have you on my show today, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I took over. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's possible. The the world we're living in today, anything's possible. It seems. So uh, so so, what's been going on? First first and foremost, let me let me introduce you. I mean, you've obviously been on the podcast before, um, but people that might not, you know know who you are uh it's philip hamilton district 11 correct so you've kind of you've kind of stepped up in the world a little bit you used to be if i remember correctly you were with the central virginia young republicans correct yes this is uh over a decade ago now i mean time flies but yes i was with the the young republicans uh specifically the fredericksburg area young republicans okay Uh, this is back when John Melendez was the chairman. Um, he was a big Rand Paul guy, moved over to Texas. Uh, and uh, I actually ran for vice chair. I didn't win, but, you know, um, at least I gave it a shot uh, at leadership. Right, and right. Was, and and, and, and that, t- set, that, that, that set you up to, to potentially wanting to run for other things too, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I also spent time with the Fredericksburg – uh, tea Party. I was their treasurer. I was the chairman of the Caroline County Tea Party at the same time I was involved with the Fredericksburg Area Young Republicans. So I was, you know, building on my leadership roles at that time. And right. I also worked for Heritage Action for America. Uh, I led a team of canvassers in the former 7th Congressional District back when Eric Cantor was the majority leader. And we were primarily focused on convincing him to repeal Obamacare. Um, so I met a lot of good uh, Tea Party folks in the Richmond area uh, during that time. Gotcha. Cool. And, and now, so from, from then to now, you are currently, uh, from, from correct here, running for Senate. That's correct. Yes. Um, I'm running for uh, Senate in the new 11th District, um, and I'm running against Senator Creek Deeds, uh, who is representing the old 25th district, which encompassed all of Bath County. I mean, there's only 4,000 people that live in Tyra County, so very low population over there. Allegheny County, which has about 15,000 people in there. Um, Nelson County, which is, again, 15,000 people. And Almore County, which is over 80,000 individuals. But the new county, um, and, and Deeds had the move from Bath County the Charlottesville to run in this new county, uh, this new district. And uh, uh, it consists of Aldmore County and Nelson, which are the same as the 25th. But what's new is that we have the western part of Louisa County, you know, Zion Crossroads area that John McGuire um, is not running in because he has the the eastern part of Louisa. I have the western part of Louisa. And we have all of Amherst County. Amherst is solidly conservative. I mean... You know, they have all, all Republicans in their local offices. Um, it is the reddest part of my district. And uh, um, there's about 30,000 uh, individuals who live in that entire um, county. But, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm hitting hard in Amherst because I need those folks to turn out to, in order to flip the seat. Right. So you mentioned John McGuire. Is he still is he is he still running? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, okay. uh, instead of running for, uh, for delegate, um, and he's been doing a good job serving our uh, state as a delegate, as a former Navy SEAL. He's doing uh, he Senate, was, right? Yes. He is running for Senate in the new, uh, 10th. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. I talked, I talked to, to John, I don't know, probably about a month and a half, two months ago. And, uh, I, I, I remember he mentioned that and I just, I couldn't, you know, couldn't recall as to whether or not he was he was actually running for senate or if he was just you know content with uh being delegate or not so hopefully um hopefully it turns out well for him because he's a really good guy yeah in in his district i mean i think it's uh there was at least a margin of 17 uh plus for republicans so he will be um uh, the next senator in the 10th senate district cool well that's good yeah. to know very good i'll, I'll probably i I probably should extend an invite to him <laughs> to get on the podcast. It's been a while since he's been on. Um, it's been over a year since he's been on, and uh, he probably he, he's, he might get a little mad at me if I if I have you on and and he get catches wind of it, and then he's like, "Oh, you didn't invite me." Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah. it, so so anyway, I, you know, since you are running for senate, you know, obviously we want people to know, you know what your core values are, what you stand for, what, what your policies are going to be, or, you know, three, and, and I'm just going to ask, you know, to kind of touch on three uh, policies that you really want to uh, put some emphasis on. Well, uh, you know, there are many issues that we have to deal with, you know, running for office. And, too many, you know, too many. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're just being enumerated with so many things that are, that are going on. Um, but we do have to have a, a more narrow focus uh, as a candidate uh, because uh, there, there is so much that's going on. Um, now, one of the issues that's really important to me is, you know, the Second Amendment. I believe we need to pass constitutional carry. You know, that's mm -hmm. one. Um, yeah. Second, you know, we have transgender issues you know uh which infringe on women's rights um women's and girls rights uh, you know and it in education and sports uh and many other places so that's certainly another concern of mine and a third is uh, term limits you know we have career politicians and this includes republicans and democrats who are in office for decades mm -hmm. and they hold on to the seat and we really have to pass on the baton to the next generation and we really need more grassroots candidates like myself to be um, elected uh, to the Senate and the House of Delegates so we can uh, pass a term limits bill. Um, right. If we don't get it done in the next two years, hopefully we can you know, get some more grassroots folks um, in the House of Delegates two years from now and, and really uh, shake things up. So we, we will see. So, so what you're saying is you know, career politicians like Dianne Feinstein, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden really just aren't cutting it. <laughs> absolutely i mean and if you look at my post on facebook earlier today i mean you know you look at joe biden he was a senator for 36 years i mean yeah. and then you have nancy pelosi how is she's in u.s congress 36 oh. years I was, joe biden joe biden's uh most recent gaffe i think was uh god save the queen right <laughs> 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 what queen are you what what are you talking about what queen yeah. uh yeah, maybe he'll he'll forget that the American Revolution ever happened, you know. Uh, 
Jesus, I don't know. It, it's just I watched uh, recently when John Fetterman was introducing, um, and this is you know I'm not making fun. Look, I understand John Fetterman had a stroke. He is mentally disabled uh, at this point, but it was just grueling watching him introduce Joe Biden. Honestly, I think the only person in the room that could understand what he was saying was Joe Biden. Wow. I, I'm going to have to watch that because I have not seen that video yet. Oh, yeah. He couldn't say infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. he, he was like he was like the uh, the infrastructure of the the I mean, it was just uh, it was it was it was really hard to watch. I mean, his wife is just a terrible person. That's that's all I'm going to say on that. I mean, any 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 spouse is going to put you through that. And you know that that she's been promulgating for him to to continue in his position, even after the stroke, even after, you know, admitting himself to a, a mental health uh, institution. It's just it's sad to watch. And, and it shows the decay that's going on in our country, too. I mean, the fact that you know we have this this first dumbing down of the the, the population and then the fact that we will vote for uh, the opposition just because of polarization is astounding to me. And, and we'll even vote for somebody who's not even sentient, apparently. So, yeah, a, a guy who wears uh, sweatshirts when the president shows up. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just maddening to me. I mean, well, you got to think about it. He might wear sweatshirts, but it, but at least he's not wearing Depends. <laughs> or I guess at least he's not topless either. Let's put mm-hmm. that out there. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you see that trans? Uh, that that the the day of Pride event that they held at uh, you know the White House where yes. they put the the Pride flag in the center versus the American flag. So apparently we're now we're no longer the United States of America. We are the uh, United the United uh, States of uh, Pride. And uh, yeah, that topless transgender, and I find it uh, it's just it's 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 definitely uh, setting a precedent. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, you know, the U.S. flag should always be front and center because yes. we are the United States of America. And I know that you are a, a military veteran. You serve for this great country. And, you know, for you and many other veterans and those who are serving, that's really a slap in the face. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's it is it is a slap in the face. I, I will clarify because I like transparency. I did not serve. My father uh, served, and uh, that's where that's where I get uh, my my regimented background and charming, you know, good looks from, and all of all of the <laughs> all of the, where, the other. Where did your father serve? So, so he was a marine. Uh, obviously, boot camp. Well, I shouldn't say obviously, but he was actually uh, Paris Island, and then he went from Paris Island to Hawaii. Uh, he, he was one of the lucky ones. He got to surf a lot and uh, he never he actually never deployed. Um, he let's see, he served four years, if I remember correctly. And once that four years was up, he did not reenlist. And it was actually right before they started uh, drafting uh, for Vietnam. And uh, so he kind of kind of got lucky. But but he, he kept and stuck with that regimented mentality. And uh, I grew up with that, and uh, I'm glad for it. It definitely yeah. made me appreciate it, and uh, and I respect all all veterans and anyone who's currently serving, uh, even even if we don't agree on uh, ideology. Um, I still respect the fact that individuals are willing to put down their lives or lay down their lives in order to uh, to defend the homeland. Absolutely. That said, 
it's a sad thing to see the military in the state that it's in currently. Yeah. Oh yeah. When, when you have, you know, cross dressers and the mess halls and, you know, U S army base and things like that. And, you know, my grandfather, um, Mason Newkirk, he, he too served in the Korean war. He was actually working as an engineer. He was building bridges as our army was going up North into North Korea, advancing into their territory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there was, I think there was 12 advances during the war. But I, mean, I couldn't imagine what my grandfather would be thinking about the current state of the military as it is today. Oh, it's ridiculous. The ambassador, one of the uh, uh, naval ambassadors came out as a, as a trans and, and they literally promoted that. And I was just like, are you are you I mean, the Navy, look, we've always had the jokes of, of teasing the Navy, specifically growing up in a Marine family. You know, the, the, the Navy was kind of always the the, the lapdog of the Marines. Uh, but. To see it, and, and honestly, I mean, last June, not this this June, but last June, I even saw the the, the Marines. They they took a um, a helmet that was uh you know from the from the movie uh, reel from uh, Full Metal Jacket, and uh, mm-hmm. they had a band around it that was in in rainbow colors, and I was just like, oh my god, what is wrong with our military? But you know, this is a problem. That's a deeper problem with I think what we're dealing with currently with um, diversity and, and, and uh, in- inclusivity and uh, it's an ideologue. Uh, but all of that, you know, ties into the, you know, the, uh, the, the QIA plus part is, is where you really get that because before that it was just, you know, LGB and, and LGB was just, you know, lesbian, gay and bisexual and growing up, um, you know, that was just, if, if you were, if you were one of those things, okay. You know, we, we might not have agreed with it. We, we might have agreed with it. It just depended on who you were. Uh, but it was not an ideology in which we were trying to literally change the the basis of truth and reality. And that's where we're at now. We, we, we literally have politicians that can't even answer questions like, what is a woman? And uh, that's a sad state because we are ripping the fabric of truth away from, from our society. Yeah, I mean, a Supreme Court justice who can't acknowledge who. Uh, yeah, Ketanji uh, Brown. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I hope she eventually watches Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? Because, you know, folks like her need to see that documentary. Yeah, she won't. <laughs> yeah, you know, she won't. No one, no, no liberal. The problem with, with liberals is this, this mindset. There, there was a study that came out um, two days ago, if I remember correctly, it was from the University of Michigan, that uh, uh, a poll. Uh, was done on on the ideology as far as what is a man and can and, and are men and women uh, interchangeable um, and and sixty percent of Americans so six out of ten said that uh, a man is a man a woman is a woman and that cannot change uh, however and this and this to delve into that demo, into that poll the Republicans ninety percent of Republicans said a man is a man a woman is a woman however only thirty Six uh, percent, if I remember correctly, it's either thirty-four or thirty-six percent of Democrats said a man is a man and a woman is a woman. So, so clearly, this is from a, a, a political spectrum here, and this ideology and this insanity where we literally have lost our 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 logic and our critical thinking skills and common sense skills, um, you know, is coming from one side of the political spectrum, and that's that's you know that's pretty telling when you look at a 90 percentile from the republican side versus a 36 percentile from the uh, democratic side uh, or democratic side 
um, showing that they, they are not based in reality. They're not based in truth. And uh, it's, it's, it's being by our politicians, our government, and also within our school systems to our kids. Wow. I, that is a huge spread of, you know, who took that, that survey? I was say it was, the, it was the, if I remember correctly, it was either the University of Michigan or Michigan State, one, one of the one of the, the institutions in Michigan. OK, yeah. very interesting. I will, I will certainly look into that. I mean, and that does show the cultural divide um, mm-hmm. that, that we're experiencing. And, you know, I remember, you know, because I spent four years living in California um, when I first moved out there, it was. 2016 and this is when donald trump was was running for uh, president at the time because i worked on Rand paul's presidential campaign mm-hmm. through this pack called concerned american voters and i worked in des moines iowa iowa city reno nevada and also las vegas nevada but he dropped out because trump rose in the polls so i decided to move to california so i was in santa cruz worked for the city government out there and i was helping getting permits and organizing uh, an event for the 150th anniversary for the city. And I learned a lot about California history when I was out there. I visited like various gold mines, like, you know, Sutter's Fort where, uh, where gold was discovered and caused the gold rush in California, places that Mark Twain had gone to like um, Angel's Camp, which is where he wrote his book, The Leaping Frog of Calaveras County. It went to Yosemite that John Muir went to with Theodore Roosevelt Um Got to see the Redwood Forest and Santa Cruz and uh, Mirror Woods in San Francisco. But there was a lot of history out there. And, you know, I definitely enjoyed seeing that West Coast history that I wouldn't have experienced had I not lived there. Um, but having said that, I mean, the culture was very different out there. I mean, I know Santa Cruz County, uh, I think it went over 60 percent for Bernie Sanders in 2016. I mean, just overwhelmingly. Mm. Um and, you know, I saw that, you know, I had conservative friends out there. Some of them were still present. My identical twin brother still lives in California. He voted for Larry Elders last year during the recall of uh, Gavin Newsom um, during that attempt. Um, yeah. But, you know, I remember one of the first parties I went to when I was in California. Um, you know, I asked, uh, there was a guy who I met and, uh, and I said, oh, what's the name of your, your friend? What's her name? And then he like, he, he, he looked shocked. He looks, he's like, oh, how could you call her a she? She's a they. And I'm saying, how in the world would I know that? You know, I'm looking <laughs> at, you know, she has breasts. She has uh, long hair. Yeah. And clearly from what I'm seeing visually, she is a woman. So and when, when was this? What year? I know. 2016? This is 2016. This is it's, I had never heard of the concept of they or them at the time, and it just mm. kind of blew my mind. I was like, "What the hell is this guy talking about?" Like, yeah. they're saying the gender non-binary, and he had to explain it to me. But you know, and privately, I just thought to myself, "I'm like, this is a bunch of baloney." I'm like, there are two genders, male and female, and that's it. You know? Yeah, it's it's uh. Yeah, it's it's pretty concerning, but I mean, this is something again that's been you know promulgated to the in the school systems for quite some time, and I think you know twenty twenty with with you know COVID uh, and sending the children home to you know be basically you know just sitting at home all day in front of a screen and giving the the parents access to actually see what the curriculum was. I think what happened was a lot of parents were very complacent. They, they felt like their kids were being sent, you know, a safe, a safe place for the day. 
to learn curriculum. And then all of a sudden they started seeing actually what was being promulgated to them. And many, many parents woke up and said, well, this isn't curriculum. Where's the reading, writing, arithmetic? This is, this is uh, an, an, an ideology. This is a, a narrative that is being promulgated to these children, and it's grooming them to think you know, things that aren't natural, things that aren't based in truth or reality. I mean, GSA specifically, which was in the Gay Sex Alliance, being promulgated to a lot of these children by these radical you know leftist teachers that weren't qualified and most of them were hired based off of you know diversity or equity basically dei uh, or or you know um esg hires and so you have candidates that are not qualified for their positions and they're just being placed because the government funds these programs well, you get government funding within, well, yeah, we're going to abide by it. We want to get this free money. And that's, uh, I think, what's happened to quite a, a few of these uh, younger individuals. And uh, they're confused. It's unfortunate. But, um, you know, we have to figure out a way to, co- you know, com- combat it. I think Ron DeSantis has been doing a pretty good job. He's, he's basically eradicated gender ideology uh, t- from even being taught in his state. I think other governors need to follow suit. And uh, we need to eradicate the, uh, the, the transgender ideology. Uh, I, I'm not saying ra- eradicate transgenders. Eradicate the ideology and, uh, and start allowing individuals, young individuals specifically, that are malleable to be exposed to truth. And uh, part of that is, uh, is, is bringing the Bible back to schools. Yeah, and you know the thing is, in, there there's an effort to remove um, uh, the Bible, and you, it, it's been ongoing for many years. But there's, I remember seeing there, there's this one school district that said, "Well, the Bible has too many depictions of sex, so we can't have um, uh, its uh, content taught in the school." So let's supplement that with queer theory for fifth graders, where it shows men giving each other blowjobs. Yeah, <laughs> or, or gender queer, or all of these other books. I and mean, I've seen the content of these books. I mean, it is shocking. I'm like, how do we? How are we using taxpayer dollars to purchase these books and to have librarians and teachers and other ones to promote who are all in the taxpayer dime? And you know, in, in not only are they just having them available, but they're promoting them in the classroom. Here in Charlottesville, they have this uh, book called ABC Pride. They had a Pride event, which was outdoors, and they had fourth graders reading from that book, you know, saying N is for non-binary, L is for lesbian, you know, all these other terms they threw in there. And Uh. these children haven't even gone through puberty yet, but they were pushing this on them. And there was a video taken by a whistleblower, and this whistleblower gave that video to the Rob Schilling Show, who gave it the Fox News, Newsmax, and went viral um, earlier this month. Mm. And it is very shocking. But the Altmore County School Board, which is all Democrats, and one of the, the chair of the school board is actually running for the House of Delegates in the 54th District, and she just got the nomination a couple days ago. But instead of going after the content of the book uh, that was really indoctrinating the, the, you know, the children with gender theory, um, the school board said, well, this release was uh, unauthorized unauthorized it depicts children that are underage and they were concerned about um child pornography yeah this unauthorized release 
and they want to know who the whistleblower is. And Rob Schilling, I met with him a couple of, you know, last week at a um, Albemarle um, Charlottesville City Elders meeting. His lips are sealed. He is going to protect this whistleblower. He's not going to say anything about who this is because I think more whistleblowers should come out. And I want folks to come out to uh, the next Albemarle County school board meeting um, to speak in support of Rob Schilling and of the whistleblower. Mm. Uh, and this is going to be uh, at 401 McIntyre Road, Charlottesville at 530 p.m. on July 13th. So we got to rally the troops. we got to defend these whistleblowers. Yeah, I think I think uh, I actually have some friends, uh, personal, very, very close friends of mine who had a, uh, a child that was in the public school systems in, in Crozet. So just, you know, outside of Charlottesville and uh, 11 years old, comes home one day, says, Dad, I'm um, and this is a female and uh, says, Dad, I'm I'm, I'm non-binary and uh, I'm a pansexual uh, 11 year old. And uh, come to find out the dad is a a very uh, intuitive and highly intelligent uh, individual. He does, you know, computer programming and logistic builds logistics boards for autonomous flying vehicles, things like that. This guy's just, he went to, to Cornell and Ithaca. So he's, he's pretty bright. And he, anyway, he, he gets access to uh, the daughter's email. And so he sees literally a list of emails from this homeroom teacher, supposed homeroom teacher, that was part of the the GSA push, and there were like thirty something students that were in this little thread, and she literally was transitioning these children, and in in these emails, explicitly told the children that they did not have to tell their parents about what they were doing. Uh, this is a, a a egregious overreach of of what a teacher should have the ability to to do or say when it comes to. Uh, children, um, you know, the, the, the big problem here is that, you know, and Joe Biden said this himself a week and week and a half ago, these aren't your children, they're our children. And the government is basically ah. promulgating that these children, if they go into the public school systems, they are no longer your property. That is essentially what he is saying. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I told, I told my friend, I said, pull her out of these, this school, sue them if you can. And uh, and put them put them through counseling and put them in, in private, you know, private school if you can or or homeschool. And uh, and that's what they did. I don't know if they sued, uh, but they, they pulled her out of school. And two years later, she's she's back to, you know, some sort of normalcy where she understands, you know, basic reality and truth. And, uh, you know, but but it's sad because there, there are children and, and, and it's not just this one class. There are literally thousands of children that are being exposed to this nonsense from these teachers that promulgate this this QIA, this 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 ideology for gender, you know, um, transitioning care and things like that. And there are states currently that are penalizing parents if they don't affirm their children and literally having child protective services rip them away from their homes if these kids go to schools and tell their their teachers that their parents don't affirm their gender uh so that's scary um yeah, that's, that's a sign of on. what's to come yeah and, yeah. and it's happening here in, in virginia that's you know it, it's it's everywhere but the fact you never you look at these things when you see national po- policies or you see stories like major stories that make you know headlines nationally you always think to yourself well th- that won't happen here That'll that'll never happen here, but it is it is happening here. And if we don't do something about it, 
then it's going to continue to get worse. And I think the best thing to do as parents is to homeschool your kids first. And that's just my personal opinion. But but if you cannot do that, if you don't have the resources to homeschool or to potentially send them to a, a private school, and even the private schools, you're not 100% guaranteed any kind of safety, but you have more ability to micromanage situations. But if you don't have the ability to do that, then be an involved, accountable parent. Go to the board meetings. Make sure you know the curriculum that's being taught and make sure that you voice your concerns if you see or hear about something that uh, doesn't align with your value system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it starts at home and, you know, parents got to be involved in their children's lives. They got to, um, you know, they got to go involved in their schools too, their, their school activities. Um, you can't just say, you know, hand the keys to, you know, the public schools and say, hey, take my child and, you know, I'll just take care of them when I, when I come home. It's, no, they got to be much more involved. And, and that's what it used to be like, though. I mean, that, that you know, prior, I would say prior to, you know, 2016 and, and, and you know, maybe maybe even before that, um, you know, that was the scenario. You, you, you sent your kids to school and you didn't really worry about it. Uh, one thing that I've really been uh, interested in is the uh, not just the curriculum changes, but also the um, the publications that have come out specifically like children's publications, uh, children's books and, and, and so forth from 2018 beyond, there was a radical transition in which you saw more and more of the LGBTQIA and the pride push uh, versus prior to 2018. You saw it occasionally, but it was very, very um, uh, seldom that you would see it. I mean, it was just, you know, not in the massive numbers that you're seeing it now. I mean, it's everywhere you look. I mean, you can go on Sesame Street's being pushed. Blue's Clues, transgender parades are being pushed. Peppa Pig, same-sex marriages. Uh, it's just everywhere you look. And, and four-year-olds, three- and four-year-olds are being exposed to this. Target, you know, obviously, I'm sure you're aware of Target's, you know, most recent um, – you know, issue with this pride push where they had the tuck friendly bathing suits for children and they had the transgender attire for literally toddlers. And, you know, parents have have said enough. And I think that's the only way that this kind of nonsense is going to stop is when enough parents get involved, enough people unite together and they say enough is enough. These are our children. They're not your children. Do not corrupt them. Do not sexualize them. Um, and, and back off. And, you know, these corporate, you know, Target took like a $12 billion hit. Uh, Budweiser, when they did their, their you know, their Dylan Mulvaney can, they took a $20 billion uh, market cap uh, hit. So I think, you know, that's where you start. But with the school systems as a whole, I think the parents really have to be united and they have to figure out either we get our kids out of the school systems, we start something of our own, or we find the resources to send our children to, you know, private schools that are actually teaching the core values that are aligned with our core values at home. Um, and that's hard. It's difficult. Yeah. Well, you know what, and uh, to give some positive news on what we're doing here in Virginia is that, you know, my friend Mindy, um, she's worked with the Virginia Project, which has been working on um, helping Republicans throughout the state. Um uh, she works for DuPont, and uh, she's been a campaign supporter of mine. Uh, last year, she actually opened a new uh, Christian school um, uh, in the Hanover County area, 
And I was there at the kickoff and, you know, they probably had well over a hundred people over there, but that was, you know, an activist said, I, I was not happy with the COVID lockdowns. I'm not happy with indoctrination. I'm not happy with the critical race theory and gender fluidity and all this other stuff that's been pushing our children. I'm going to open a Christian school. And she went ahead and did it. So I applaud her. Now she um, was, uh, she tied in with Craig DeSessa uh, over at the, uh, the middle resolution political action committee. Cause I, I, I feel like Craig DeSessa mentioned the Virginia project at one point they were opening, you know, schools. And one of them was actually in Hanover County. I don't, I, I can't, I don't know. Does that ring a bell to you at all? That's a good question. Um, I actually, I'm not sure if, uh, uh, Craig and her have been working together on the, on the Virginia project. Um, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm. But I have spoken to Craig, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely reach out to Mindy and ask her at some point. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if they were, you know, if they were actually working with each other or not, because I know that he, he actually has, if that is not it, then something very similar um, on the books as well that, that they're doing. And, and it's also a, I, I don't know 100% if it's a Christian per se, but it does have Judeo-Christian values. Um, I just don't know if they're actually promulgating that as far as, you know, saying, yeah, it's a Christian school or, or what. So maybe it's something I was thinking about when you when you mentioned it. So, um, yeah, so the, the, the transgender ideology and the push that we're seeing right now, um, it's a big deal. And it's a it's a huge problem. And, you know the only way that we're going to fix this is to bring back sanity. I keep people, let's make America sane again. Uh, I know a lot of, a lot of the Trump supporters are let's make America great again. I say that's, that's wonderful, but uh, how is America going to be great uh, if we don't have our sanity? And uh, so, so let's make America sane again seems to, to, to work in, in my favor on that. But that that made. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do. I really do. I, I, I would love do that's the idea but so that aside um you know again i think we need to put a lot of emphasis on this we need to not back down and we need to make sure that we have politicians that are not going to be squishy on sensitive topics like that and uh hopefully i think that's that's it seems like that's one area that you are you're going to push on um transition. one other thing i want to mention too is um, yep. there's a group uh they just formed march of this year they're called Virginia women uh, take action and they've endorsed me um, and uh, they made some flyers uh, regarding my first debate with Sally Hudson in deeds before the primary on May 31st. But one issue I brought up was the fact that in 2018, um, Connecticut was the first state to allow uh, men who identify as women to be transferred to women's prisons. Mm. And um, under Northam, that policy was allowed in Virginia. And I brought that up and I said, under Article 74 of the Geneva Convention, you know, right after the end of World War II, it says that women shall be housed with other women who are in prison and they shall be supervised by women. And of course, you know, liberals love, you know, one world order. So I said, well, why am I bring up something from, you know, international government. And they were just shaking their heads and, you know, Deeds and Hudson and the Democrats running for the 54th House of Delegates. Um, there were three of them. So there was five Democrats and I was the only Republican on the stage. And mm-hmm. they're all in denial that's even happening in Virginia. But it is. And I had, uh, there was a supporter of mine who um, spoke up and said, 
you know, you guys need to stop denying this because it's happening. And uh, it's either they're willingly, they're willingly denying it or um, they're negligent and they don't, they don't know what's going on in their prison. So it's just a doubling, bring up. It's just a doubling down of stupidity. I mean, look, you, you as, as well as I already know that the Democrats, regardless of whether or not they have validity or they don't have a validity, they are going to double down uh, no matter what the situation is, even if they're wrong, they're going to double down. And we've seen this time and time again. And, uh, and and maybe it is a tactic that works to some extent. It's like the liar that lies enough eventually believes their own lie. Um, but again, this is where I really think we need to put emphasis on truth and reality. And the only way that that we have you know any chance of combating against that is transparency. We need to have transparency. And I think this ties kind of into the, the other thing that you mentioned, which is term limits. You know, term limits are absolutely necessary for politicians because what happens over time when you are in something for too long, you get burnt out, you become jaded, you are desensitized, and you're not as efficient. Absolutely. And, and that's why, you know, uh, I support Article 5 Convention of States, which will have term limits for members of U.S. Congress. For U.S. Senate uh, and hopefully for uh, the Supreme Court justices if they um, add that um, to the provisions in the Convention of States. But we need to expand that because that's going to be years from now. I don't know when we're going to be able to get a Convention of States passed. Uh, you know, I support the organization and what they're doing, but that's a really a long game. Um, mm. Something that we can really accomplish in the shorter term is amending the Virginia Constitution. And as long as we have enough senators, if we have enough uh, um, House of Delegate members who support this, we can have term limits, not just for the governor, um, which is where it's at right now. We have uh, non-consecutive term limits for governor. We can expand it to House of Delegates. We expand it to uh, state Senate and also to local offices like school board, mayor, board of supervisors. I mean, you name it. I think yeah. it's a term limit from the top down. And there's a lot of support, you know, not just with Republicans that are supporting me, but with independents, libertarians, even some more moderate Democrats um, who thought that Sally Hudson was too extreme uh, have uh, considered term limits as well. And what's interesting is that my opponent, Senator Deeds, uh, he met with Nancy Koenig, who's the grassroots coordinator for Convention of States uh, in the Charlottesville area. And after my debate with him and, and Sally Hudson, uh, he said he would consider convention of state. So hopefully he'll, he'll at least think about it. But I'm a loud advocate for it. Uh, so folks will definitely choose me over uh, Senator Deeds on that issue. How many states currently are actually for convention of states? Uh, the last I checked, it was in the in, you know, it, it was a little less than half the, the, the country, but that could have changed. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to double check the numbers um, on that. Uh, I think there was a couple additional pay, uh, states that, that passed resolutions uh, on it this year. Um, mm-hmm. So they're still, you know, under the threshold. But I think it's over 20 right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thought it was like 22 or 23, some, somewhere around there. It, it's really interesting because, you know, there's a lot of controversy behind that from, you know, both sides of the spectrum politically and you know, if if something like that was to potentially pass, it'd be very interesting to see how uh, the next, you know, 10, 10 to 15 years plays out. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
you know, the concerns from folks who are against convention estates are saying, well, they'll the Democrats will hijack it and they're going to they're going to repeal the First Amendment. They're going to repeal the Second Amendment. And, you know, mm. um, and I, I definitely hear the concerns. And I, I certainly listen to them. But the convention estates, they have mechanisms in place that if this is just for adding new amendments to the Constitution, not for repealing existing amendments. Right. Yeah, I think I think a lot of there's there's a lot of uh, fear around it, and uh, there's also a lot of ignorance around it as well. Um, even from individuals that that I know that are pretty politically plugged in, you know, there's still a lot of controversy around it, and uh, I think it's it's more so just because they they aren't fully uh, aware of of you know what it actually entails, and um, yeah, it's just it's. It's interesting. It's it's really interesting to see how how that pans out. I'm I'm curious to see if it you know goes any further. I I keep telling individuals you know at the end of the day, individuals that come to me and and you know want to talk shop and start complaining about what's going on, I always say we're we're still three meals away from a revolution, and uh, until then, I don't see major or any kind of drastic changes you know that are going to be occurring uh, over the next few years. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out in 2024 as well. But uh, that aside. Um, and, and one last thing I'll, I'll bring up as well is that, yeah. you know, if you go to um, it's COS simulation 2023.org. Now, Convention of States, they're going to provide an opportunity for the public to view a simulation of an Article 5 convention. And it's going to be on Friday, August 4th of this year. So be on the lookout for that again. It's COS simulation 2023.org. Got it. Got it. Well, that's good to, good to know. You know, the more information we can get out there to individuals and the more transparent information we get out there to individuals, I think the the better off we are. Um, I want to segue into before we, before we, we close out uh, into the second amendment uh, rights, as far as, your stance on that, um, what do you think you can bring to the plate uh, if you are elected and, and dissented on that? Well, I support constitutional carry. I believe that we need to expand our Second Amendment rights. We need to eliminate gun-free zones. And particularly in my district, uh, in Almar County, we have been seeing an exponential rise in um, – deaths, murders, you know, gang violence, uh, and all related to guns. And um, it's because we have gun-free zones, I think there are less folks who carry firearms, and criminals become emboldened. Now, you look at what happened in 2020, Charlottesville City passed an ordinance banning all firearms um, in parks and in city buildings. Now, Albemarle County mimicked that local ordinance and they banned guns, you know, except if you're a military officer or if you're in law enforcement, or if you're a judge um, in Almar County. So, you know, there were supporters of mine when I was running for the House of Delegates two years ago who said, I'm not going to go to Almar County parks anymore. I don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes you can have homeless people in the middle of the morning. I mean, if you're a you know, woman in your 20s, and you can't carry a firearm and, and uh, uh, fend off a potential rapist. I mean, they don't think about infringing on women's rights to, to go and enjoy a park um, early in the morning. Um, 
and many other problems that uh, peeling away Second Amendment rights does. So I want to take away localities, authorities to impose gun control laws um, uh, within their boundaries. So that's something I'm be pushing for if I'm elected. Gotcha. Well, I mean, you know, as far as women's rights, what is that? They don't even know what a woman is. So, <laughs> so, so that's that's kind of where I stand on that one. Uh, so, what do you? Uh, what are your thoughts on like red flag laws and and, and so forth? I'm against them. Okay. I, I think they it, it gives way too much power to the government. Right. And unfortunately, there are some Republicans who support these red flag laws. You know, and. I don't know if you've ever seen Tom, this movie with Tom Cruise, but it was called Minority Report. And I'm a big fan of science fiction because it kind of shows of where our society may go out to one point in the future. But in Minority Report, people get arrested for thought crimes. You know, if you think of committing a crime, you're going to be arrested and imprisoned. Yeah. And red flag laws to me, it's a segue of, of that science fiction. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make that science fiction a reality. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's terrifying. I saw that movie as well. Uh, fortunately, though, at the end, <laughs> it did show the flaw in that system, and uh, that was that was at least encouraging. But uh, I don't know with everything the push with AI and you know Elon Musk wants to do this Neuralink and and you know all of these advances in technology. It's uh, pretty. It's pretty interesting times that we're living in. It's actually terrifying to think about. Uh, realistically, I was talking to an individual a couple weeks ago who's a computer programmer. This guy was basically saying that um, you know, with technology the way it is, we're we're able, and this is this is before I even saw it in 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 the media, but we are able to create an embryo, and we literally with without any type of human. Um, you know, actual human interaction other than obviously just replication of this embryo and I think the brain. Uh, and that's pretty, pretty insane to think about. So if we have the technology to where we're doing that now, we're playing God and with AI and, and all of these things, it's just, uh, it's kind of creepy to think about for, for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I do want to bring out uh, regards to AI, Congress actually did make a good decision Oh. Uh, about AI, because they uh, pass a law uh, in- ensuring that AI will never have control of the nuclear codes. You know, we will keep it under human control. And I support that 100 percent. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I personally would would be comforted to to know of a kill switch. It became sentient at some point in time, uh, which it seems is is pretty probable uh at, at, at where we are currently but um you know my 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 resolution to that is just unplug the you just unplug you just you don't need technology we can survive without technology we've, we've done it before and uh yeah it, it, it's uh interesting times and we'll see how that all how that all pans out because the last thing we want is ai to become sentient and have access to nuclear codes and if it is so far advanced to where it can hack pretty much anything that I don't understand how nuclear codes other than going back to maybe, you know, pre analog, uh, would be safe from AI. Yeah. If you look at the various, uh, nuclear missile bases Mm. that are scattered across the United States, uh, the smart thing that our government has done is that we're using old technology from the 1970s and we have decided, 
um, for security reasons to not upgrade those systems. And that's because we don't want anything that has a connection to the World Wide Web. Right. And uh, it makes it a lot harder to find parts and to repair uh, uh, when you have issues on the base. But for security reasons, you know, China, Russia, North Korea and other uh, enemies uh, of our nation cannot hack into our nuclear bases. Yeah, which is which is smart. It's definitely smart. Uh, I found out the other day, however, um, unfortunately, we don't have smart people who have access to the nuclear codes. Bill Clinton apparently lost the nuclear codes twice uh, during his uh, presidency, and one of which was for over 20 days. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. It's just uh, scary, scary to think about stuff like that. Um, but, uh, but that said, Philip, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm, I'm pressed for time today, as you know, I'll let you know ahead of time. But, uh, if you want to close out with any information for the uh, audience, feel free to do so. Absolutely. Well, I am the Republican nominee as of May 12th, and I am truly the conservative candidate. Uh, there are two other uh, candidates who are running, Jariah, who's running as independent, and of course, uh, Senator Deeds, my, uh, the Democrat incumbent who I'm fighting against. And you can donate to my campaign by going to Hamilton for VA Senate.com. So it's Hamilton, F O R V A Senate.com. You can email me at philip at Hamilton for VA Senate.com. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, on Truth Social, and I appreciate your support. Hey, thank you so much, Philip. You're welcome. All right. Mm-hmm.